We're reading this morning from Isaiah chapter 38. In those days, Hezekiah became ill and was at the point of death. The prophet Isaiah, son of Amos, went to him and said, This is what the Lord says. Put your house in order, because you are going to die. You will not recover. Hezekiah turned his face to the wall and prayed to the Lord. Remember, Lord, how I have walked before you faithfully and with wholehearted devotion and have done what is good in your eyes. And Hezekiah wept bitterly. Then the word of the Lord came to Isaiah. Go and tell Hezekiah, this is what the Lord, the God of your father David, says. I have heard your prayer and seen your tears. I will add 15 years to your life, and I will deliver you and this city from the hand of the king of Assyria. I will defend this city. This is the Lord's sign to you that the Lord will do what he has promised. I will make the shadow cast by the sun go back the ten steps it has gone down on the stairway of Ahaz. So the sunlight went back the ten steps it had gone down. A writing of Hezekiah, king of Judah, after his illness and recovery. I said, In the prime of my life, must I go through the gates of death and be robbed of the rest of my years? I said, I will not again see the Lord himself in the land of the living. No longer will I look on my fellow man or be with those who now dwell in this world. Like a shepherd's tent, my house has been pulled down and taken from me. Like a weaver, I have rolled up my life, and he has cut me off from the loom. Day and night, he made an end of me. I waited patiently till dawn, but like a lion, he broke all my bones. Day and night, he made an end of me. I cried like a swift or thrush. I moaned like a mourning dove. My eyes grew weak as I looked to the heavens. I am being threatened, Lord, come to my aid. But what can I say? He has spoken to me, and he himself has done this. I will walk humbly all my years because of this anguish of my soul. Lord, by such things people live, and my spirit finds life in them too. You restored me to health and let me live. Surely it was for my benefit that I suffered such anguish. In your love you kept me from the pit of destruction. You have put all my sins behind your back. For the grave cannot praise you. Death cannot sing your praise. Those who go down to the pit cannot hope for your faithfulness. The living, the living, they praise you, as I am doing today. Parents tell their children about your faithfulness. The Lord will save me, and we will sing with stringed instruments all the days of our lives in the temple of the Lord. Isaiah had said, prepare a poultice of figs and apply it to the boil, and he will recover. Hezekiah had asked, what will be the sign that I will go up to the temple of the Lord? This is God's word. Good morning, everyone. My name's Matt Fuller. Let me lead us in prayer before we jump into Isaiah. Our great God and Father, we thank you that you are always, always worthy of our trust. Father, all other things we rely upon, they are weak and they are fallible and at times they fail, but you do not. You are infallible, unfailing and always dependable. As we turn again 
to your word. Would you deepen our trust in you this morning, we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. So this month of August then, we're in um, this section of the book of Isaiah, chapters 36 to 39. It might have been a little ambitious for the summer months when people are in or out, but not to worry. Uh, But the question over this section, who will you trust? Chapters 36 to 39, it's the hinge of the book of Isaiah. Book one ends, chapter 39. Book two of Isaiah begins, chapter 40. But who will you trust is the issue. Or who do we trust? I quite enjoy each year, uh, uh, the uh, pollsters produce something called the Veracity Index. Ipsos Mori produced it. And uh, it takes a, a list of the professions, uh, about uh, 40 different professions, and uh, ranks them, having surveyed people over what is the most trustworthy. And uh, number one, it's kind of always number one, the most trustworthy profession is... Management consultants, no, it is not. <laughs> It's not doctors, I'm afraid, much as they might like to think it is. It's nurses, close, close. It's always nurses. Nurses are always the most trusted profession. Uh, 96% of the UK population would trust a nurse. Uh, just the number two, all right, it is the doctors. They come in number two. Um, so well done, you lot, uh, who are doctors. Uh, amazingly, this year, politicians have come off the bottom. They're normally bottom of... Uh, uh, so this year, they've, they've gone up, so now uh, a fully throttled 19% of the UK population would trust a politician. So that's better than normal. Although, tangentially, when the comment comes, we must deliver Brexit or trust in politicians will collapse. I think that horse has bolted, um, by the way. But uh, bottom of the pile this year, and apologies if it's you, is uh, advertising execs. If you're in the advertising industry, no one trusts you. Uh, But they'll buy all your products, so you're doing very well on one level. So it's sort of... I don't know what you make of that. But anyway, that's how it works. Um, of no interest to you whatsoever, probably, is the fact that um, vicars are okay. We come tied with policemen. Uh, just below hairdressers. There we go. So some professions we trust more than others, but who do you trust? That is the issue over these chapters. It really, it's been the issue of the whole book of Isaiah, or book one of Isaiah, chapters 1 to 39. For 35 chapters, Isaiah warns, tiny, tiny nation of Judah, you're about to be invaded by Assyria. So who will you trust? Will it be in your own military? Will it be in your own leaders? Will it be in Egypt and and getting some sort of treaty or pact with them? Who will you trust? Judah, trust in the Lord. Finally, uh, this, uh, the narrative comes, 36, 37, those two chapters we looked at. Uh, Assyria, the superpower of the day, does invade, conquers the whole of Judah, apart from the city of Jerusalem. The king, Hezekiah, good guy, hero, says, no, we trust in the Lord. And so then Assyria is then defeated and runs away. So for 30 Five chapters, the warning. Two chapters, the, the, the crisis comes. But really, chapters 36 and 37, Hezekiah is the hero. And you may not know him very well, but in the Old Testament, he's number three. He's the bronze medal king, if you will. David is, uh, gets the most column inches, Solomon the next. Hezekiah is number three in your rankings in terms of just sheer coverage that the Bible gives to him. And would be described as uh, 2 Kings chapter 22, Hezekiah, he did what was right in the eyes of the Lord. He's a good guy, one of the very best kings. And he's been a hero, chapters 36 
and 37, really, that the nation is spared because of Hezekiah's trust in the Lord. Great. And then we get these two chapters, chapter 38 and 39, which conclude part one of Isaiah, and Hezekiah, not so good. I mean, here he's sick. We'll come back to that. Chapter 39, we'll look at next week. He puts his trust in, well, money rather than the Lord. So the whole narrative of this great hero is, yay, oops. And that seems to be the point of this section. Don't trust even the greatest of leaders, even the great Hezekiah, who trust in the Lord. Uh, just one little detail uh, that um, is quite important for this week and next week. But uh, the odd thing is we've gone back in time here. So actually, chapter 38 is 10 years before chapters 36 and 37. You can get some sense of this in uh, the reading we had. Uh, uh, chapter 38, verse 5, Hezekiah is sick. But the Lord says, go and tell Hezekiah, this is what the Lord, chapter 38, verse 5, this is what the Lord, the God of your David says, for Father David says, I have heard your prayer, will see seen your tears. I will add 15 years to your life, and I will, future tense, deliver you in this city from the hand of the king of Assyria. I will defend this city. Well, we've just been told about that. So the, the chapters are out of order. The sort of timeline, I've scribbled in that table at the, at the bottom there. So here in chapter 38, well, it's about 711 B.C., a decade before the events of chapters 36 and 37, or at 701. And again, why, why do this? Why have Hezekiah's great triumph? Hooray! He's one of the best kings we've got. Followed by, oops. Well, mainly again, so the point is, don't trust even the best of your kings. Trust the Lord. Trust the Lord. Look, we could look at this narrative uh, three, under three headings. He's, uh, he's a man who feared death. He's a man whose pain led to faith. Uh, and then lastly, the king whose pain brings us life. I'll try and explain it as we go through. But uh, we just work our way through um, chapter 38. First then, Hezekiah, verses 1 to 14, he's a man who feared death. So chapter 38, verse 1. In those days, Hezekiah became ill and was at the point of death. The prophet Isaiah son of Amos, went to him and gave him these tender words of comfort. This is what the Lord says. Put your house in order. You are going to die. You will not recover. Isaiah, I feel like I'm going to die. You are going to die. Yes, that is exactly what's going to happen to you. Oh, thanks. I mean, that's the bedside manner of a doctor. The, um, uh, but there we go. It's fairly brutal. But Hezekiah's response is an interesting one. He gets this word from God. Yeah, you're going to die. But he gets something very right here, Hezekiah, verse 2. He turned his face to the wall and prayed to the Lord. Remember, Lord, how I've walked before you faithfully with wholehearted devotion, have done what is good in your eyes, and he wept bitterly. And that's right. 1 Kings 22 would say, yeah, he was a good king. He was faithful. He's not perfect. No one's ever perfect. But he was faithful. He was loyal to the Lord. He's good. So, what, I mean, Hezekiah gets a couple of things right here, I'd say. There's honesty. It's a great thing. He pours out his heart to his heavenly father and says, I'm gutted. 
at this point in life, I'm, I'm 39 years old. I've not had any children. There's no king to take over. I don't want to go. I'm not ready to go. He gets his honesty. I think you'd also have to say this. There's a trust in God's character. Take something that the Lord says through Isaiah, you are going to die. And Hezekiah says, Lord, I'm going to pray to you though. Not yet. I, I, I know what you've said to me, but I know your character. And I know that there are times when you say something to your people to stimulate them to pray. You'll say to Moses, oh, I'm going to destroy the people. But you get Moses to pray and you say, okay, I won't. Sometimes what you always intend to do, you achieve through the prayers of your people. I know you're merciful, so I'm going to keep praying to you. So he gets those things right, I'd say. And so the Lord's answer comes to him, verse 4. The word of the Lord came to Isaiah, go and tell Hezekiah, okay, yeah, you can have 15 more years and, and you will be delivered when in a decade's time Assyria invades the country. Well, that's all good news. And so Hezekiah says, right, I'm going to write a song about this. So chapter 38, verse 9, you get this song. But I don't know what you thought about it. It's a slightly odd song. So verse 9, a writing of Hezekiah, king of Judah, after his illness and recovery. I've been really sick, and God said, no, you're not going to die. And when you're invaded, uh, you'll conquer the, the invaders. So you might expect something a little cheerful a little upbeat from Hezekiah. And, well, I think what he gives us for people of a certain generation is a, a song that Morrissey might have composed for the Smiths. It's all very gloomy. It's, there's no thankfulness, really, until right at the end. Most of the song is, well, I'm 39, I was about to die, and now I get to live a bit longer. Oh. And that's it, really. It's not the most upbeat or, or, or celebratory. So verse 10, I said in the prime of my life, must I go through the gates of death and be robbed of the rest of my years? Verse 11, I said, I'll not again see the Lord himself in the land of the living. No longer will I look on my fellow man or be with those who now dwell in this world. It's not, it's not Mr. Cheerful. Verse 12, you get these strange pictures like a shepherd's tent. My house has been pulled down and taken from me. It was miserable. I was sleeping in my tent in a field, and I woke up, and someone had nicked my tent. That's what my life felt like. Oh, thanks. Or verse 12, like a weaver, I've rolled up my life, and he's cut me off from the loom. I'd, you know, culturally, you'd spend weeks weaving a rug on the loom, and you wake up one morning, and someone's stolen what you've made. Oh, I've invested all my life in this, and oh, it's all gone. Verse 13, I waited patiently till dawn, but like a lion, he broke all my bones. Day and night, you made an end of me. I, I, I waited to get better. I waited, but God, oh, and it just got worse and worse. Verse 14, I cried like a swift or thrush. I moaned like a mourning dove. My eyes grew weak as I looked to the heavens. I'm being threatened, Lord, come to my aid. I just felt like an animal that had been wounded. I was like something run over, dying at the side of the road. That's not the most cheerful song, is it, when you've just been restored to health and been given a great promise about 10 years' time? Why, 
Why so gloomy, Hezekiah? Why so glum and, and miserable? Why the focus on mortality and death? And why here? Why put it in chapter 38 after the great chapters of 36 and 37? It's as if you were writing, I don't know, an obituary of Winston Churchill. And you said, oh, you know, the, the great years, the war years, he was such a hero. But what I really want to focus on are the early years in Gallipoli when he really screwed up and hundreds of thousands died. That's what I really want to tell you about. And he said, no, 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 tell us about the good stuff and, and at least finish on the good stuff. And, and, and well, that was bad. And he wasn't very good when he was in the Admiralty. Uh, he made lots of mistakes there. But just remember the good stuff. It's not what we're given here. Because at the end of part one of Isaiah, the message is very clear. Hezekiah was great, but he'll die. So who are you going to trust? Who would you trust, Israel? Yeah, yeah, he's been a wonderful king. The best king for generations, but who will you trust? And so for us of the 21st century, the same point applies. Who will you trust? Look, even the best of kings will let you down and fail and die. Even the best of pastors will let you down. Every pastor has feet of clay, as do you. Every Christian leader battles ongoing sin, as do you. Every leader needs friends to whom they're accountable, as do you. Yet God gives leaders to his church today, and they're a blessing, but they fail, and certainly they'll die. So who will you trust? Trust in the Lord. He'll not let you down. He'll not fail. He'll not die. That's why this chapter is here and not where it should be before the events of a 701. So look, Hezekiah, he's a man who feared death. He's a man who would die. There is something very positive to learn from him, though. He is a man whose pain led to faith. Verse 15, you start to get a change in the mood of the song, okay? So he's a man whose pain led to faith, verses 15 to 20. Why did Hezekiah get so sick? Verse 15, what can I say? He, the Lord, has spoken to me. He, the Lord himself, has done this, made me sick. I'll walk humbly all my years because of this anguish of my soul. God has done this. Lord, by such things people live, and my spirit finds life in them too. You restored me to health. You let me live. Well, that's good. Verse 17, surely it was for my benefit that I suffered such anguish. In your love, you kept me from the pit of destruction. You've put all my sins behind your back. Well, that's good. That's great. Verse 18, a classic sort of Old Testament view of death. The grave cannot praise you. Death cannot sing your praise. Those who go down to the pit cannot hope for your faithfulness. They didn't have the clear hope of resurrection that Christians would have today. And then really only 19 to 20, you get the positive. The living, the living, they praise you. As I'm doing today, I'm praising you. Parents tell their children about your faithfulness. The Lord will save me and we will sing with stringed instruments. So it moves to positive. But what do you make of verse 17? It's the one that jumps out at me in his description. Verse 17 Surely it was for my benefit that I suffered such anguish. What do you make of that? It's quite, it's quite something to say. 
I was about to die. And verses 13 and 14, it was very painful. And verse 10, emotionally, I couldn't really cope with it. And yet he can declare, all that was for my benefit. It was for my good that you put me through that anguish. Wow. So here we have the backstory for how Hezekiah was able to trust in the Lord when Assyria, the great superpower of the day, invaded tiny little bitty Judah. He said, I know I can trust the Lord because of what happened 10 years ago and his promise to me. It is for my good that I endured this misery because it grew me. It grew my faith. Chapter 38 explains how he becomes a man of faith, able to trust the Lord against the odds when invaded. Without sickness in 701, excuse me, without sickness in the year 711 BC, Hezekiah would not have trusted the Lord a decade later. It was for his good. Actually, it was for the nation's good that he endured such sickness. What do you make of verse 17? It was for my benefit that I suffered such anguish. The the truth is, I don't know many spiritually mature Christians who've not experienced anguish. Because it is in experiencing that and trusting the Lord through that that you become mature. That's Hezekiah's testimony. At the risk of embarrassment uh, to uh, one of the godparents, we, uh, we interviewed Jay uh, just at church on Sunday night a couple of weeks ago. Uh, and her testimony of debilitating illness, long-term incurable illness, and the pain which ranges from chronic to constant, but just there. And I'm not sure many people amongst us would know that that's her experience day by day. But the testimony that she's able to give, of course, is, or was, it is for my good. It has been for my benefit. It has given me a depth of relationship with the Lord that I wouldn't have otherwise. Wow. Wow. It was for my benefit that the Lord made me endure such anguish. We've had others, you know, giving their testimony at the front saying, oh yeah, for 45 years life has been good and my career has been stellar. And I've been wildly successful. In the last two years, my career has completely gone down the tubes and I'm left with nothing. And it is for my good that the Lord has allowed me to endure such anguish, because I now have a faith in him that I never had before. Wow. What do you do in sickness? What will you do in sickness? 
Can you say that? Verse 17. Can you say that in setback? It was for my benefit that I suffered such anguish. You, you can only say that if you know that the Lord's character. So there's Hezekiah. In one sense, he's a man that you and I can observe and uh, learn from. He's a man who feared death. He's a man whose pain led to faith. But Isaiah crucially wants us to know this. It wants us to look beyond him and say, look, in Hezekiah, you see a picture, a shadow, a prequel of the king whose pain brings us life. That's the third thing we need to look at. He's the king whose pain brings us life. Don't put your trust in Hezekiah. He'll let you down and he'll die. Put your faith in a better king than him who will come. No, look, uh, let me give, give me uh, two minutes of close attention here. Uh, Isaiah is a, is a wonderfully crafted book. There's lots of uh, poetry, but lots of um, uh, things interwoven here. There's a, a connection that in the text is not so easy to spot between Hezekiah's experience described here in chapter 38 and that a few chapters later of the suffering servant in chapter 53 that the New Testament says is Jesus Christ. So let me give you uh, one or two examples. So uh, here's one you get. So chapter 38, verse 9. It is a writing of Hezekiah, king of Judah, after his sickness and recovery. Well, the servant, who we know to be Jesus Christ, is described in these terms, chapter 53, verse 10. It was the Lord's will to crush him and cause his sickness. We're meant to read this, and then meant to read chapter 53 and think, hold on a minute, Hezekiah experiences lots that the servant, Jesus, will experience. There's lots more. So Hezekiah thought he would leave the land of the living, chapter 38, verse 11. We're told Jesus was cut off from the land of the living, chapter 53, verse 8. Here, verse 13, Hezekiah had his bones broken. Well, and we'll read that Jesus had his bones broken on the cross. Here, chapter 38, verse 17, Hezekiah says, I know that my sin has been put out of sight. Well, Isaiah 53 will tell you that it was the death of Jesus Christ that puts our sins out of sight. Here, chapter 38, Hezekiah says, the grave cannot praise you. The grave is a place of no hope. The Christian knows the grave of Jesus Christ is a place of enormous hope because he went in but he came out again i guess most of all that chapter 38 verse 20 it's a very strange movement here the lord will save me and we will sing with stringed instruments do you see the movement from the singular to the plural the lord will save me and we will sing well that's the christian's knowledge that the Lord, God the Father, raised Jesus from the grave. And we sing because we know that death can be conquered. So all the while embedded here in this, this little narrative, this little poem, this psalm that Hezekiah writes is, my experience, it, look beyond me. Don't put your trust in me. Look, look beyond me. There's another one coming who will experience sort of what I did, but much more. And whereas I fear death, the one who's coming will not fear death. And whereas my pain, it grew my faith, 
Well, if you know Jesus, you'll be able to trust him in your pain even more than I could. The point here is we have a better king than Hezekiah. We have a better hope. You and I have a king whose pain brings us life. All the while, this is saying, don't trust in Hezekiah. Look beyond him. There's a better king. There's one you need. Well, it makes all the difference in the world. You don't need to fear death. You don't need to be hopeless in distress, in adversity, if you know the King Jesus, whose death brings great hope. There was a story a little while ago on the BBC News. I happened to be watching the news, and you know it's one of those towards the end, uh, sort of filler good news, isn't this sort of interesting and finally type story? And it was about a lad, uh, Reuben Hill, and he had a brain tumour, and this was being operated on. But the reason it was being reported was pioneering surgery because they'd kept him awake during uh, the surgery on his brain because they were so nervous about doing permanent damage uh, to his communication and his ability to speak. They thought, well, what we'll drug him, sedate him heavily, so he was very groggy, but they required him to keep talking during surgery. And uh, he's had it beforehand said, well, I don't know, what do I say? And what do I talk? Well, how about sing? Sing some songs you know. He said, all right, I'll sing during surgery. So this extraordinary footage of this laser surgery being done on this, you know, the brain is open, bloody, gutsy sort of thing. Not guts, obviously. Uh, but it is the, the, the head opened up in the surgery. Um, I mean, this, this lad is sort of mumbling away some songs. And of course, I was watching this. Thinking, well, that's extraordinary, extraordinary modern science. How very impressive uh, it all is. Uh, and then you could, I sort of, you could make out some words. And you think, hold on a minute, I know that song. As this lad was mumbling to himself. The sun comes up. It's a new day dawning. It's time to sing a song again. It's all drifted in and out a little bit. Because it's extraordinary to hear someone going through brain surgery sing. Whatever may pass. And whatever goes before me, let me be singing when the evening comes. Bless the Lord, oh my soul. And of course, no one comments on the BBC on exactly what he's singing. But you think, well, yeah, there's a lad who in this extraordinary surgery can say, yeah, whatever may pass, whatever lies before me, I want to sing. I want to sing because I trust the Lord. And more than Hezekiah, I know I have a Lord who's gone through death. And what's the worst that can happen? Well, I guess that I join him. It was lovely. And you and I can sing. I mean, that's the sort of big picture of Isaiah. He keeps moving, the people keep being moved from sinning to singing throughout the book of Isaiah. And that is what happens when we look to Jesus. So chapter 38, don't trust even the best of your leaders. Trust in the Lord. Men can fail us. Jesus will not. Men can change. Jesus does not. Men will die. Jesus will live forever. 
Men can betray us. Jesus will never betray you. Men can break promises. He'll never break a promise. Trust him. Who will you put your trust in? Isaiah asks. Trust him. Let me lead us in prayer. Our great God and Father, you give us this strange song, really, that Hezekiah sings, a slightly gloomy song about dying. You put it in the wrong order, so we have to think, why? What's, what's going on here? But Father, it is very clear. We're not meant to trust Hezekiah. Israel was never meant to trust him. In the 21st century, we're not meant to trust, above all else, our politicians, our nurses, our doctors, our leaders. We're meant to fundamentally put our trust in you. You are the one who will never let us down. You will never leave us. And Father, knowing that, would we be those who don't fear death? Would we be those who are able to testify it was for our good that the Lord sent this adversity so that we deepen even further our trust in you? Father, we thank you and praise you that in Jesus Christ you've demonstrated utter worthiness of our trust. Help us cling to him. Amen.